Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. This is episode number five. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. On today's show, we're sitting down with Colin Williams to have a chat about his speaking philosophy. Who is Colin Williams? Colin makes his living operating in the field of workplace training, but that is not who he is. Colin Williams is a writer, poet, musician, and filmmaker with a lifelong passion for communication. His entry into the public speaking sphere occurred six years ago when he decided to try his hand at stand-up comedy. He worked hard at the craft and enjoyed every minute, but he wanted more. Due to his enthusiasm and intense dedication to the art of oratory, he soon became a highly regarded, compelling and inspiring speaker. Colin has lived an interesting and eventful life and uses his stories, insights and humour to create speeches that engage, entertain and influence audiences. When asked who he is, Colin answers, I'm a storyteller. So we're here today with Colin Williams, and the three of us shared a stage last year, and his presentation was called Purging and the Blue Note. Kate and I were interested in these ideas and thought Colin could share his philosophy with us again today. So how are you going, Colin? Very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Excellent. So why are you interested in communicating and speaking, and how did you get started? It's funny. It's a a fairly new thing for me. Uh, I'm 62 years old. And I didn't start public speaking as public speaking until I was about 58. Um, It was something that had always been in the back of my mind, but I procrastinated for 58 years. And um, but before I had a go at public speaking, I had a go at stand up comedy. And that, I think, was very good grounding for what I was going to tackle. What made you want to give stand up comedy a go? Why was that your intro to public speaking? It's funny, I was around people, I I would make people laugh when we were having a few beers, sat around, and it's something I thought, one of these days I've got, it was a bucket list sort of thing, and I thought, I'm going to give this a go, but if I'm going to give it a go, I'm going to give it a proper go, and make sure that my, my material is good, all original material, and that it works, and to a degree, it very much did work. <laughs> it sounds like a baptism by fire because stand-up comedy is often seen, I think, as the scariest version of public speaking mm. available. Well, I know I've done a very little bit of um, stand-up comedy and Colin has actually helped me with some of my material and I would not do that until I had the grounding of speaking. So I find it very interesting that you did comedy before you did the speaking. Yes, because speaking was a thing that wasn't in my vision at that time it wasn't in my a scope it was wasn't something I ever imagined doing but I'd seen lots of comedians get up and do their stuff and I just thought this is for me I'm going to have a go at this I only did it for a couple of years but it was great experience and it's helped me going into the speaking world yeah so now you are interested in speaking can you tell us why do you believe the ability to communicate is so important it's it's not important unless you want to have your opinions heard unless you don't want to go to your grave with a great idea, unless you've got nothing to say. If you've got anything at all to say, then this is something that you should be doing, is getting skills to put your ideas forward. Simple. (laughs) So you've mentioned, Colin, that you love to craft and tell stories and humour. Why do these appeal to you as a speaker? I think 
If you go back, let's say you go back to your schooling and your teachers and the teachers you really remember and the teachers who taught you well, it's not about what they taught you, but how they taught you. And Mm. if someone's got something important to say, they've got to make sure that that message gets across. And I think humour is a great way to do it. And I think public speaking is the way to put yourself forward and take ideas that other people may fail with and successfully transfer them into the brains of the audience. All right, so let's get into your keynote that we saw you present, which was called Purging and the Blue Note. Now, I know that these are two separate little concepts, so shall we start with purging? Can you tell us what is purging to start? Okay. You come into a presentation, you come in to watch a presentation in the audience, and your head is filled with all the thoughts of the day. Did I leave the iron on? What are we having for dinner tonight? I had an argument with my wife today. You've got all these things and many, many more whizzing around in your brain. Your brain is full. The person on the stage has some information they want to implant in your brain. There's not room for that until you get rid of something that's in there. And that's what I call purging. And I found the best way to purge an audience, and you do it right at the start, is to hit them with something funny. When people have a good laugh, they forget all their worries. They purge themselves of the daily worries and then there's room for your message to fit into their brain. That's yeah. the way I see it, yeah. So it's almost like you completely distract them from whatever's going on in their mind and actually get buy-in from from the audience around, uh, this is somebody worth listening to and it's going to be entertaining to listen to as well. Yeah, and and on, at the same time, you're making the audience like you. Mm. And if people like you, they're more likely to listen to you. That's yes. a fact of life. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you said the best. you believe the best way is by making them laugh. Do you think purging only works with humour? No, no. It can work with like a graphic picture, um, uh, a great quote. It and can work with stories. It works very well with stories. Stories are brilliant. But I don't think anything compares with humour for just washing that brain clean and ha- leaving that vacuum ready to suck up what the speaker's got to say. Yeah. Can you give us an example of a time that you've used this purging concept um, when you are speaking? Maybe a talk that you've given. I try to use it most times, but... One time in particular, I was doing an after-dinner speech for a political organisation and they asked me to speak for 20 minutes. And the first 17 minutes, I just did stand-up. I did something from my stand-up routine, some things I'd written particularly for the night, but 17 minutes of pure stand-up and I had the audience laughing, falling in the aisles. Then at the 17th minute, I said, if I can be serious for a minute, and they shut up, they just stopped and I spoke for three minutes with uplifting, inspirational talk, and you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Mm. It was so powerful, and you could tell that they were sucking up that message. My speech was only three minutes long. I spent 17 minutes getting them in the right frame of mind by purging. Yeah, right. I would have liked to see the organisers, whoever got you in, to actually give that speech to see what their reaction was for those first 17 minutes. Because I imagine there might have been a part of them that were like, is this guy going anywhere? Like, is he just going to tell us jokes the whole time? (laughs) Like, how much have I paid for this guy to come in and give us an inspirational speech and he's just telling us jokes? Have you ever had that reaction before? Um, I don't think so, because Mm. 
Uh, there are very few people who don't like to be entertained, mm. especially if there's a payoff at the end. Mm. Uh, they're getting the best yeah. of both worlds. If I had gone up there and just spoke seriously, politically, for 20 minutes, I would have been just like every other Generic. boring speaker that, yeah. that gets up there. I'll give you an example how you can use contrast from humour to serious subject. Some people will say that there are some subjects in which you can't use humour. There are very few. It doesn't have to be humour about the subject, but you can use humour as a form of contrast. I'll give you an example. When I was young, my brother and I lived with my parents on five acres and we had an old dunny outside about 30 metres from the house on the side of the creek. And my brother Dave and I always said, Dad, can we have an inside toilet like everyone else? And Dad would say, no, as long as that toilet's working well, it will stay there. So Dave and I had a cunning plan. We got up in the middle of the night. We went out, pushed the toilet into the creek. <laughs> Next morning, we come down for breakfast. Dad says, who pushed the toilet into the creek? Not us, Dad. Then he said, let me tell you a story about George Washington. George Washington cut down his father's cherry tree. And his father asked, who cut down the cherry tree? And George said, I cannot tell a lie. It was me. I cut down the cherry tree. And his father thanked him and praised him for his honesty. Now, who pushed the toilet into the creek? It was me and Dave, Dad. He beat the shit out of us. <laughs> now, I said, but what about George Washington? He said, George Washington's father wasn't up the tree at the time. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, we have just heard me say he beat the shit out of us and we all laughed. But let me tell you, when a child is being beaten by his father or her father, it's not a laughing matter. Domestic violence is about husbands and wives, but it's also about children. So you see, what I did there was... Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I changed it from humour. People are laughing. Hopefully they, they get the punchline and they're laughing and laughing. And then all of a sudden you hit them with something serious and it's all the more serious for the fact that they've just been laughing. And it makes them stop in their tracks and you have been purging them all the way through that joke. Then you hit them with what you want to tell them. It's it's so yeah. much about uh, like you're buying the respect of your audience because you're entertaining them. And that idea of in humor we talk about you have a punchline because you go left, you go left, you go left, and then you go right. And yeah. that's funny. Uh, and it's almost the same uh, where we're going with humor, we're going with humor, we're going with story, we're going with humor then something serious. Yeah. So that contrast really makes the serious point so much more serious, I feel. And it's not necessarily all got to be done at the start of the speech. Uh, if you watch someone like Ken Robinson, he does a great TED talk where he has a little dad joke, then hits you with a fact. Has another little story, hits you with another fact. And they're like mini purges. They just make enough room in the brain to fit this other fact in. And yeah. that's, that's another effective way of doing it. I love that. There's a storyteller that I know, and he always says, make the, if you make them laugh, 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 cry, it hurts more that way. Yeah. Like it heightens the emotion. Yeah. I've, I made, I used to make short films for about 10 years, and I always has, had it as an aim to make people laugh and cry in the same five-minute film. Yeah, right. Um, and I, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. 
But that's when I felt like I succeeded. When you get that emotions, the opposite ends so of the scale. It's the contrast of the, the emotions that you're looking for, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. So what difference do you think it makes to a presentation to purge at the beginning and maybe a little bit throughout? I think you can talk, you can get a dry subject, you can get the information across better because you've got the audience listening. And yeah. when you're speaking, it's not about you getting your message out. It's about the, the audience getting the message in. Mm. And you've got to use every tool in the book to make sure that message gets into their brains. Uh, and this this is just another tool. And not only is it another tool, it's a fun tool. And there are very few people who complain once they've been entertained. Yeah. I, th I think... I've, um, I've always said that communication is not about what is said, but it's about what is heard. So it makes, yeah. it makes sense to open any presentation with a, with a purge. Is it, is it something that you aim to do with every talk you give now? Quite possibly. If, unless it's just not appropriate, yeah. I'll do that. It doesn't even have to be as serious as a, a really big laugh joke. It has to be something where people say, gee, that's interesting. That, you know, that can be just as good because it's got them thinking and forgetting their troubles. That's what it's about. So for someone who has never done this before or used purging before, how do you suggest that they may be able to start? What's the first step? I have been asked this before and there are people who say, oh, but I'm just not funny. Yeah. And th there are people who are not particularly funny. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be your humour. I, I saw a woman give a, a speech and she started off with just a 30 second, 40 second YouTube video that was incredibly funny. It was relating to the subject, but it was funny and it made the audience laugh. And after I was speaking to my wife and I said, how, how did you find her? And she said, oh, she was so funny. And I said, what was funny about her? She said, well, the video, all, all this woman had done was press a button. <laughs> That was that was all she'd done, but she she purged the audience, and that's yeah. what she was trying to do. I've yeah. seen that happen many a time. That if you use someone else's material, you get the credit for it. You get marked as that funny person. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's a funny thing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> all right, so that is purging. I think we can move on to the blue note now, Colin. What is the story behind the blue note? I've got a musical background. I'm not a guitarist, I play bass, and if you look at the dictionary at bass player, you'll find it says someone who could never master the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to pick up the guitar just to show you this. In music, in Western music, we use scales, major scales and minor scales. But in blues music, there's another note that doesn't belong there, and it's called the flattened fifth. And the pentatonic scale goes like this. Just five notes. But in the blues scale, they add an extra note. And that note there is the flattened fifth, and it doesn't belong, but it makes the music sound so much more soulful. It has a purpose. And there was a there was a singer called Towns Van Zant, and he said there are two kinds of music in the world. There's the blues and there's zippity doo -dah. And how many times do we hear speeches or presentations that are zippity doo -dah, the same old thing? So it got me to thinking, 
that maybe we need that blue note to make ourselves stand out from the crowd. We've got to find something. We've got to find our blue note, something that makes us stand out from the crowd, something that grabs people's attention, something that they know it's you speaking rather than just anyone. And I've got a couple of examples of that. Once when I was at Toastmasters, a young lad about 30 years old wandered in and he looked lost. And I had a chat to him. He said he wanted to join Toastmasters because he wanted to do a speech at a conference, a multi-cap conference for handicapped people. It turns out this young bloke had Asperger's, which means he had a lot of trouble making eye contact with people and a lot of trouble concentrating. When he first started at Toastmasters, he was very nervous, couldn't look people in the eyes. But as he practiced and practiced and developed, he started looking people in the eyes. It hurt him. It hurt him to look people in the eye. But he used his autism as a talking point in every speech he did. He referred back to it. And it was, it was his blue note. He knew that he was different. He knew that he had a different story from most people. But he used that. He didn't just try to be the normal Joe Blow, get up there and talk. Mm. He always introduced his autism into his speeches. Let me tell you, it was very hard for him to get up there and speak publicly. Mm. So what I say to people is, if he can do it, you can do it. So the Blue Note is really about finding what makes you unique. What is this expression of personality that when I'm on stage is going to make me sound like me and not like the generic speaker? Yep. We're all different. We've all got something that makes us a bit different. There was another example of a, a young lad I worked with who had a bad stutter when he said the letter T. Ordinarily, it wasn't really a problem, but when he said the letter T. And he invented this tap. And when he was presenting it, he presented it as, and he had it on his slide, the t-t-t-tap. Because everyone knew that he had this stutter, but he was using it to differentiate himself. He was using it to make people laugh, because they did, because they were all friends of his. But he saw something different about himself, and he didn't ignore it. It's, It's a powerful thing, because people want to see the differences between all of us. And if you can use it to make people pay more attention, it's, it can only be a good thing. So it's kind of about leaning into that point of difference that you have. So for someone trying to find their blue note, where do you start to look for it and find what is unique to you that you could use while speaking? Well, I, w- I would say, first thing to do, look at your hobbies. Look at what passions you have in life and see if you can introduce those into your speaking. I write poetry. I've written poetry all my life. And quite often in speeches, I'll drag out a poem. I'll write four or five lines just to make me stand out because it's not, it's not usual to hear a poem in the middle, you know, original poem in the mm. middle of a speech. Um, when I did the Blue Note on stage, I used a guitar, which is not usual mm. uh, unless someone's going to sing a song. Just look for maybe different props, something that makes you not the generic person who stands up with a PowerPoint presentation and just talks. Yeah. Find something that's you. Different props are a good thing. Yeah, I have always had a goal to do a cartwheel on stage in one of my speeches (laughs) somewhere. I've not done it yet. um, And I think you've just made me more determined to find a way somehow that I can do a cartwheel on stage. (laughs) 
It's interesting that you should mention using a guitar on stage because that speech breakdown we did did have Chris Hadfield come out, play the guitar on stage uh, and sing that song, which is certainly a point of difference. Like, it's memorable that he did that, isn't it? And we talked about it because it was unique to him at the time. So Chris Hadfield was an astronaut who played the guitar in space. And then he played the guitar during his TED Talk as well. And that was that was his thing. That was kind of what he was known for. It's what made him different to all the yeah. other astronauts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because being an astronaut is not it's different not. enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got something that yeah. is, if not unique, is different. Mm. Like, Thomas, what would, what would your Blue Note be? I've, I've thought a lot since we saw your keynote around purging in the Blue Note around what my blue note would be. I know there's things I do on stage which are a little bit different, but I don't think unique in the wide world of speaking. Um, So because I'm a tall person, I like to take up a whole lot of the stage with a wide arm span and move around a fair bit. And I I tend to have, um, I think like you mentioned, incorporate some of my hobbies a little bit in, little quips about those from time to time. I don't think it's horrendously different. I don't believe it speaks um, to Thomas Craft. I think it certainly speaks to a type of speaker though. But it's something I need to pour a whole lot more thought into about what is my blue note and what's that difference I can lean into in my presentations. When I think of you speaking, and I've seen you speak quite a few times, I think of the physicality, your your movement, your passion, and the way you use your body to thrust your message across. That's what strikes me when I... That's interesting because I wonder then if other people are maybe... uh, Other people that see you speak regularly... Uh, almost more capable of picking out what your blue note is, what makes you different. I think you've still got to make an effort to do it because, we, yeah. you know, we've all seen speakers who get up, stand there, deliver, sit down. Mm. That's well and good if you don't want to get your message across as well as you can. It's almost like you are the right person to deliver this message. You're the one who needs to be delivering it, not just a speaker, but you. So what makes it yours? What makes it your message? And Kate, what would yours? I have had a thought, think about it. And when I think about kind of what I incorporate into a lot of my speeches is a lot of very dry humour. I have a very specific style of humour that I use. Often it's about my kids or you know, something that is going on in my life at the time. Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think that might be mine, how I use yeah. my family as almost stand-up material. That's what I picked up when yeah, I, I've I would seen agree. as well. It's it's very self-deprecating humour for a start. Yes. Because you come out sometimes as looking like the evil mother because of the, <laughs> because of the, the humour. If people were taking you seriously, they'd have you locked up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sums up my humour <laughs> quite well. It's almost I, I think if I, I look at it from my point of view. You know that when Kate stands up to speak, she's going to make an effort to add humour and to entertain, and it's going to be based around herself in that sort of dry delivery. So I I would agree with that. I think it's almost what you expect from this speaker when they stand up. And, you know, it doesn't have to remain constant, either, your Mm -hmm. blue note. You can be using different ones all the time. If if you think of an idea that this will shock the audience, because that's what it's about sometimes. It's about... Shocking them, because, shocking them out of their complacency. They're sat there expecting to be bored and you're not going to let them. That's what it's about. Mm. I think that's important if you want to be a professional speaker. 
what makes you different to the next guy from the speakers bureau or on the roll or for the conference like why why would the organizers hire you rather than a speaker so Colin, is there a book or a person or something that has really influenced the way that you speak? Let me tell you, I'm not a big reader. What I've learned most from in life is observation, watching good speakers. Reading, reading about speaking isn't going to make me a better speaker. I don't think it's going to make anyone a better speaker. The only thing that's going to make you a better speaker is speaking and being trained how to speak properly. Bad practice is as good as no practice. You know, you've got, to, you've got to have good practice. Since I've been speaking, I've watched TED Talks and I mentioned Ken Robinson. He's a hero of mine because he's someone who doesn't yell and scream. He's, he's not a Tony Robbins. Uh, he just stands, delivers, has some humour and has his own personality that sells what he's got to say. Most of, most of my learning has been done through watching. Uh, I've been to Toastmasters, and you, you see the full range of speakers at Toastmasters. You yeah. see some very good speakers, and you see some people are beginning. But at least they got up, and they're having a go, and they're, gonna, they're making themselves better. The biggest enemy for people is procrastination. I know yeah. I did it for 30 years. Probably 30 years ago, I first heard about Toastmasters, and I thought, well, I wouldn't mind giving that a go. And I waited another 26 years before I did it. So procrastination, save it for tomorrow. Today, (laughs) we speak. So is there any speaking or projects that you have coming up that uh, you would like to share with us, Colin? Well, right at the moment, I'm concentrating on writing. I've just signed to get my first children's book published, picture book published. Very cool. And I'm working on a novel. It'll be a long job, but in between, I'll take every opportunity I can to speak because it's something I just love doing. I thrive on it. And it's good to have different hobbies so you can slot from one to the other. I'm having a ball at the moment. Children's book and a novel is an interesting slide from presenting stories and humour on stage to, to land there as a um, bit of a side hustle. Yeah, well, writing has always been something I've done in the background, you know, just, just for a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I found that my writing gave me a big advantage when it came to, to speaking because mm-hmm. I could write good, powerful speeches with good, powerful stories in them. That's what people have got to do. They've got to have speeches that maybe educate or inform, but they've got to entertain as well. And the best way to do that is having stories. If everyone was to ask me to describe myself in one word, I would say storyteller. Thank Excellent. you so much. Thank you, Colin. It's been a pleasure to be here with you too. I, I've, um, what you're doing is very worthwhile and I support you all the way. I've enjoyed myself very much tonight. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. Want to get in touch? Send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week.